0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. In our gospel passage this morning, we come to the end of a series of questions that the religious leaders put to Jesus while He taught in the temple. There was tension in the air. A few days earlier, Jesus had triumphantly entered Jerusalem on a donkey and then proceeded to cleanse the temple of the money changers and vendors. Everyone was expecting something to happen, and the Pharisees were trying to get ahead of whatever it was. First and foremost, they were worried that Jesus had designs on their power. That said, this particular question, which they put to Jesus, is important. Is it possible to pinpoint one commandment that expresses what God's law is all about? Is it fair to make some commandments more important than others? These ideas were discussed by the religious scholars of the day, and in this case, the Pharisees get a direct answer from Jesus. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments sum everything up. Love God and love people. Or maybe more concisely, but more provocatively, love God by loving people. It can be tempting to think that that first commandment is easy. If God is as good and amazing and loving as we say he is, then it doesn't take much to say that we love him back. But scripture shows us that because our neighbors are God's children, the way that we treat them is evidence of our love for God. John's gospel tells us, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And one of John's letters later says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Our love for God and our love for other people are deeply intertwined. And these two commandments weave throughout Scripture. And by elevating them, Jesus makes clear that the point of the law is not legalism and scrupulosity, but the flourishing of all of God's children, which glorifies God himself. But the fact of the matter is, we live in a deeply broken world, and loving our neighbors is neither easy nor obvious. It strikes me that were I standing up here a few years ago, I might be urging Republicans to love their Democratic neighbors and Democrats to love their Republican neighbors. But the divisions within the Republican Party itself are so deep right now that it just took nearly three weeks to elect a new Speaker of the House after a small contingent decided to oust Kevin McCarthy. And if you're a Democrat out there, don't gloat too much. Because let's be honest, it's not any better on that side of the fence either. This moment in our country is almost unprecedented. Even our traditional teams and categories are fraught with anger, division, and an overriding commitment to prioritizing ourselves and our own pet issues. We don't just struggle to love those on the other side of the fence we can't even handle loving those on our own side. And it doesn't stop at politics. Ethnic and racial divisions continue to plague our country and the world. We hear about mass shootings and wait for the manifesto of hate towards the other that so often comes right after. The violence in other parts of the world echoes and reverberates in random acts of violence in our own country, such as in the death of the six-year-old Palestinian boy outside Chicago a few weeks ago, and in rising instances of anti-Semitism that we continue to hear about. Those of us who have both Arab and Jewish members of our extended families feel this especially right now. There is no shortage of things to divide us, And this is deeply grievous to our God. But Jesus doesn't stop by simply answering the Pharisees' question. He responds with one of his own. He does affirm the importance of loving God and neighbor. But then he asks a question about a specific verse in the Psalms a verse that is actually quoted more often in the New Testament than any other Old Testament verse. Jesus wants the Pharisees to understand who he is. They know his disciples say that he's the Messiah. They know that the Messiah is the son of David. And Jesus uses this verse to say, yes, all that is true, but the Messiah must be greater then david if david calls him my lord he cannot solely be his son he must be something more this is a clear hint of what the early church will soon say of jesus that as the messiah he was both david's earthly descendant and god's incarnate son and the pharisees had nothing to say in response But there is more going on in this verse that directly relates to the question of loving our neighbors. This verse doesn't just show us who the Messiah is, it hints at what the Messiah will accomplish. If you look at the end of the verse, it shows that God will put all of the Messiah's enemies under his feet. It's not a coincidence that Jesus quotes this a few days before he goes to Golgotha. He's leaving hints, breadcrumbs, signposts for his disciples to look back on in the days that follow his death and resurrection so that they can understand what happened. They wouldn't get a full explanation right now so Jesus doesn't give it to them but it's all there for them to remember as the Holy Spirit leads them in the months and years to come. Because Jesus' death and resurrection is how God puts all his enemies under his feet. This is totally counterintuitive, but this is how our God works. Jesus died for sinners for those who had rebelled against God's law, both Jew and Gentile, people on all sides of all the divisions that humanity had ever known and that humanity would ever come up with. And in the forgiveness of sins that Jesus offers us, he reconciles us both to God and to each other. In the letter to the Ephesians, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. In our repentance, we acknowledge that we have rebelled against God, and we receive his forgiveness. And in that acknowledgement and reception, we see ourselves through God's eyes. We begin to see that our identity is rooted not in our politics or our ethnicity, but in being God's children, in being sinner saints who are covered in Jesus' blood and reconciled to him. We pray the confession and look over at the person next to us and see someone else who is a forgiven sinner, dependent on God's mercy. This allows us to be reconciled to each other because we've got nothing to hold over anyone else. All of our self righteousness, any sense of superiority, Is subsumed in realizing that Jesus' suffering and death is for us as much as for the next person. We are all just beggars kneeling at the foot of the cross. And in saying all this, I don't mean to minimize our differences or say that they don't matter. Our divisions, seen and unseen, And the pain that is frequently caused by them are very, very real. And the work of loving our neighbors and being reconciled to one another is hard, necessary work that takes patience, humility, and forgiveness. This is why Jesus gave a direct answer to the Pharisees' question, because that work matters but it is work that is encompassed in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It's not that he shows us how to do it as our Messiah. It is that God has accomplished it through him as our Messiah. As we stumble along in that work ourselves, we look not to our own righteousness or moral goodness, but to Christ's work in us and through us. For he is the one who one day will rule our world, sitting at God's right hand, in peace and righteousness, welcoming in his former enemies, forgiven and covered in his blood. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorge's.org give. Thank you for your support.